Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to episode two of series two of Raw Talent. Today, I am talking with the inspirational Lisa Miller, who brings us hope and excitement with teasers of some of the innovation going on within the European apparel industry and the opportunities these will create as we navigate through the impact of COVID. Lisa is a pioneering fabric technical manager with global experience in yarn and fabric development and sourcing manufacturing processes. She specialises in functional sportswear, athleisure, elsewhere and garment innovation and has lived and worked in Morocco, Central America, Asia and Canada, amassing a vast library of contacts throughout the world. Lisa is a results focused, commercially minded leader and motivator. Welcome to episode two of series two of Raw Talent. Oh, can you hear me? Hi, Fiona. Hi. Yes, I, I think your video. Thank you. I think your video disappeared at that moment. I can't see you. Oh, you're back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> you're back. That's so weird. Zoom. There's Zoom for you. Zoom's having a moment. <laughs> How are thank you? Thank you for having me. I'm very well. Thank you, Fiona. Good. good excellent no thank you for being here it's um it's really good to um reconnect and catch up so Absolutely. i think we should pleasure yeah so i think we're going to start by um sharing with everybody how we met which we were just talking about um yeah. so how did we meet because we go back quite a long way, don't we? We do. We do go back a long way. We were actually connected by a mutual friend called Diane. She has worked in the industry like us for a long time. And I worked with her many moons ago at Dewhurst, Ladies Wear. And she did. connected me to you back in right. late 90s, if I remember rightly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wow, I don't think I was working with you. I wasn't in recruitment at that point. But yeah, I do remember. That's right, it came through Diane Elgar, didn't it? Yes. Who was also on here. Yeah, she was also one of my early guests on the Raw Talent series. So, yes, (laughs) Diane. Because I didn't start working with Diane until about, we think it was around 2006, something like that. Maybe, yeah, I think that's when we first started working together. Because I'd worked with um, Anne-Louise Pigford, who's now Anne-Louise Pirani at Dewhurst initially. And then Diane had come back into the business. So, yeah. yeah. 
And then we reconnected recently, which we should tell everybody, because we were working on a role. And I found you, I think, on LinkedIn, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Yes, you did. I had a role. That we were. Coming up to a year ago, a role came yeah. available when um, I came back to the UK. And yeah, we got that's reconnected. Right. Yeah, you were still in um, Canada at the time, weren't you? Just... Um, I, I just actually came back. Yes, just came back. That's yeah. it. That's right. Yeah, at the end of a, a long contract with Lululemon. It was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. What was the Canada experience like? Actually, in yeah, on balance, it was amazing. So, I was there in beautiful Vancouver, BC, working for Lululemon, the premium athleisure wear brand. And it was great. I had my role there was manager of raw materials for women. So it was the largest department spearheading innovation and um, fabric development. And it was wonderful. I always knew in my heart it was going to be a chapter of time rather indefinitely. Yeah. And I always wanted to come home. So luckily kept my home back in Cheshire where I'm now living. Yeah. Really, really great experience and oh, uh, family and I loved it nice. really how amazing it's a brilliant thing to do to live and work abroad at some point in your career yeah um hopefully those days will return for everybody so yeah. um, <laughs> um let's talk about sort of it kind of nicely leads into you know where you grew up and what got what got you started in the fashion industry are you from Cheshire originally I'm not. You probably can, can tell, um, tell from my accent. Yes, yeah. I'm from the northeast. I grew yeah, up in Cumberland. I, I, I hear a bit of um, Newcastle twang. Absolutely. And you know, <laughs> I was there 25 years ago and I've lived in every continent of the world. <laughs> wow. My career, and I can't shift the accent. So I hope uh, our listeners can understand what I'm saying today. I'm trying oh, to. Oh, they meet. will. They will. I must. I must tell you the funniest thing, Diane, because Diane's also a Geordie, and yes. uh, when I first worked with Diane and Anne Louise, they had the broadest accents you can ever imagine, and every other word was man. And I would often, they'd be chatting away on the phone and I would just, I'd be lost. I wouldn't even be able to work out what they'd said and I'd be constantly getting them to repeat things because they were so fast and without being able to actually see their mouths move, it was really difficult to um, hear what they were saying. <laughs> We've laughed about this a lot over the years. Gosh, gosh. It's funny. My children came back from three years in Canada with beautiful North American accents. Oh. And I, I tried, I desperately tried, you know, to come back with it too. Unfortunately, I didn't. I'm still oh. with the Northeastern accent. But yes, I grew up there, left 25 years ago now. Wow. And at that time, there were many, many textile and garment factories in the Northeast. Yes, there were. Yeah, manufacturing primarily for Marks and Spencer at that's that time. Right. Mm, that's right. And, um, I just had a passion. You know, I knew people who worked in the textile mills and the garment factories. And I just had a passion for not only the, you know, creativity side, but also the engineering side. And I just found it absolutely fascinating seeing how textiles were produced and, and uh, subsequently garments were, were produced. 
just found it fascinating and you actually started out at Dewhurst didn't you who were one of the major producers up up north with factories all over the place yes I I did start out with Dewhurst I hence that brought me to to Cheshire yeah I started out in, in Cheshire and within a few months I was on a plane and I had the opportunity to work for them out in Morocco amazing two and a half years setting up a, a, a textile male laundry and uh, garment factory wow what were they producing out there at the time again it was Marks and Spencer's it was ladies yeah. wear it was all sorts actually all sorts of apparel from trousers to top shirts t-shirts amazing just to you know throw me in straight out of university into the actual real life you know working environment seeing the actual cogs and how they work and it was invaluable experience that I still draw upon today actually yeah I mean what an opportunity coming straight out of university to get to go out to Morocco and just be thrown yeah. in the deep end that must have left such a large a lasting impression on you it did and you know it it spurned me on I I then got hungry I thought well you know I've learned about this part of the world and how it works and I'd love to learn more about Asia and Central America and that's what kind of spurned me into my future career path was the tenure that I'd had in North uh, Africa. And what did you study at university? What what did you qualify in? So interestingly, so I knew I knew I wanted to do something creative, but there are many, many courses out there that purely focus on the creative side. So BA arts primarily or surface pattern. Yeah. I wanted to incorporate the science element, which was where my heart really lied. And it was difficult at that time in the early 90s. There wasn't that many courses around that, you know, would include a, a good, good mix and a good blend of both. But mm. course at Huddersfield that specialised in science, textile science. Okay. And they had uh, machinery on site. It was almost like a working mill. So you were learning hands-on, you know, on the weaving looms, on the knitting machines. They had a, a buying and finishing. Um, they had a centre. So I was, it was absolutely learning hands-on and I loved it. It was a, a four-year course, a sandwich course. So my third year, I was able to spend that in industry at the Walmart. And again, being a factory, you know, they had um weaving looms knitting machines dyeing and finishing machinery brilliant so all throughout you know my education I learned it was very practical by the sound of it very practical very technical yeah Yeah. and then you got thrust into the world with Dewhurst in your first job um so that was kind of how you got started yes it was it was a brilliant brilliant learning platform both university aspect and then my first job at Dewhurst I couldn't have wished for anything anything more really and as your career has unfolded have you actively guided the trajectory or have you reacted to opportunities in the market good question I would definitely say a mix of both so 
I think ultimately the consumer, you know, which then takes you to brand level and retail level, they do they do guide and you have to really listen and react to that. But for a while, Fiona, I I kind of saw the pathway where it was heading. Yeah. And yeah. I I've known for a while that, you know, clothing was gonna change and you know, consumers have been requesting more and more out of their clothing products. In what way? What have they been asking for? So having adaptable clothing, having clothing that offered um, technical attributes to help them throughout their lifestyle, you know, clothing that would take them on a commute to work via, you know, a gym, sit in the office to go out at lunchtime for a run you know on the way home via the gym maybe via the pub <laughs> and the these transitions some kind of performance and functionality yes I, I I could see this over 10 years ago you know this way of life changing and yeah I even spent time working in the medical textile industry to okay. quickly give me that skill set um, what did you do in the medical textile industry interestingly I, I specialized in phlebology which is all about sensation and fit modulus um you know lymphedemia and drainage of such and wow that was for bsn medical um, textiles and that took me all over the world from poland to Czech Republic to Far East. Working. Did you actually work on clothing with for them on some kind of clothing? Primarily tights. Okay. Um, yes, and it was it was incredible. Not just from a development standpoint, but you're working with completely new yarns, completely new knit structures, weaving structures, finishing, and the testing and validation of such was incredible you know it's a completely different facet to clothing and that's <laughs> so so tight so leg drainage is the absolutely key factor in the medical industry yeah. so like the surgical yeah. stockings that they um insist on putting on everybody the moment they set foot in onto a ward or into a room yes <laughs> yes yes um so that's primarily why um, I also had a, a stint um, during my time at BSN Medical in the veterinary market as well. And oh my goodness, that was very interesting. And I've actually used some of the knowledge and experience from that time in the work that I'm doing today. Wow. What, as, what facets of it are you using? So, for example, cohesive bandages. So, cohesive bandages that stick to oneself, yeah. but it doesn't to the skin and the hairs on the skin it allows for thermal regulation comfort um again you know that right level and sweet spot of modulus you yeah. don't anything yeah. too tight you know you want something comfortable that doesn't yeah. Um, yeah. facilitate um, sweat and a, a sweat box effect so a lot of that believe it or not I'm actually drawn upon today in athleisure and sportswear clothing 
that makes sense because actually that's it's it is all about sweat control it is it is absolutely and you know everything from you know not bouncing you know just being comfortable and practical being able to wash it and rewear it and and even at that time you know we're talking over 10 years ago even the sustainability aspect of it as well because they were synthetic yarns that I was using and you know just making sure that um we were looking at bio-based at that time and seeing what polymer could be have some element of recycled not just 100% virgin yeah it was very very interesting I knew again in my heart I didn't want to spend forever in the medical textile industry but the two years that I did work in that remit was absolutely invaluable and I think as a message you know is to the listener if they want to pursue and go after this career path it's just really thinking you know there's nothing you're going to learn and and have experience in that you're never ever going to not use you know there's always something you can draw upon and it's a huge, huge message, really it's, go after it and take whatever yeah. you can get. And it's actually fascinating that you've kind of done this triangular thing where you've gone from medical to veterinary back into yeah. fashion. So, yes. and it shows just how joined up everything is. Absolutely is, especially in, in raw materials. Yes, the end products look different and they may be used different, but the actual side of the yeah there's so so many crossovers wow that's really interesting what types of fabrics um because you're primarily fabric focused what kind of fabrics have been you know really key for you in the last few years what where's the where is the innovation yes consumer demanding absolutely so the consumer is is more aware about um, wellness and following that lifestyle and really you know looking after themselves from a health perspective yeah they're also very very uh, vested and interested in the environmental aspect of those raw materials yes and demanding and rightly so they've been demanding transparency of the whole supply chain and how fabrics raw materials and accessories are manufactured and what goes into them so that's been um, the main part of my work over the last couple of years in athleisure wear and sportswear which I focused in and it's looking at the whole whole um, supply chain from the polymer that goes into you know extrusion of synthetic continuous filament yarns through to the knitting through to the dyeing and finishing and looking at inherent um, technical functionality. You know, gone are the days where you can just create a fabric and apply a a finish, you know, for that function. Yes. You know, that's not necessarily um, durable. So it's really looking at inherent properties and how they can be built in into the DNA from the get-go. That's interesting. So it's really, it's, it's craft, it's real craftsmanship. Yes. Yes. And where are the, where are, where are you in terms of where in the world, where do these, where does this area of manufacturing and expertise lie? Where do you focus in 
finding the right um, manufacturers to partner with? Europe has definitely been um, coming to the forefront in recent years. Interesting. Very interesting. People would automatically think you would say China, but that's really interesting. So what's Europe doing that, um, what's, what's led that, what's led that change and that transition? Yes, they've have for sure propelled themselves forward. So the mills and young manufacturing companies have really thought cleverly and thought, you know, what can we do to remain at the forefront of innovation? And they've listened, you know, they've come together, they've partnered, they've listened to the consumer, they've looked at global trends, they've worked with governing bodies, environmental governing bodies, and they've worked in partnership and very, very cleverly have, you know, produced some incredible innovation. And yes, from even polymers to new technical functions to coming up with new processes, closed loop processes, or to reduce effluent, you know, reduce CO2 Mm. emissions, PFC free technology, every facet. Wow. they have come forward with and they've also been heavily involved in different technical attributes so not only the sustainability level but also you know new new technical innovations and realized that you know DWR was a given you know maybe moisture management so wicking and quick dry they are a given now yeah they are and they are really looking at clothing and how it's going to take shape especially you know during and post covid for example and looking at ways that will protect the consumer and give them more out of their clothing and really give them that you know, instill that reassurance in the garments that they're wearing and taking them through the day and equipping them for the lifestyle that they're wanting to lead yeah And are they being able to do all this in a way that's cost effective? Because one of the things that led the um, transition towards manufacturing in China was very much cost and trying to do things on a budget. Um, How does how does the European innovation um, in fabric performance fabric stack up when it comes to when it comes to that? And is the consumer prepared to pay a bit more? You know, I think the consumer is definitely wanting to and willing to pay a bit more, you know, knowing that the clothing's going to last. Yeah. It's a quality yeah. product. It will do what it says yeah. on, on the claim. I think they really are now in this day more than ever. It's about less is more. And, you know, products that will the inherent you know long-lasting products um and i think i think you'll see a, a wonderful surprise and sea change in europe yes asia for sure is still a main player so south korea and japan they yeah. are still big, big players but i think for us here in europe i think it's absolutely wonderful what's coming out of the european mills right now and and i think that you know we we should, yeah, be cognizant, but not worry too much on the monetary side, the financial side of things. I think the consumer will 
will be prepared to to invest and and also you know when you look down at open costing and you break down a costing each of these elements is is relatively small and it may be such that raw materials you know are prevalent and coming out of europe and you know for the short term it may be that the garments are produced slightly further afield i think time will tell yeah but for sure. now i'm sure. seeing amazing things come out of this region wow that's really fascinating what is it that makes you really good at what you do what what is the driving force behind your your success i think it's keeping definitely is is just keeping at the forefront of what's going on you know i think it's absolutely vital in fabric in call it be it fabric technology or fabric development or fabric engineering i've had i've had more uh, job titles than than i can um think <laughs> of but but it's essentially all all the same it all boils down to fabric creation and raw, raw material development and I, th- I just think it's very, very important that you, one, build relationships and really leverage those relationships to being completely aware of what's happening and being reactionary against those. And also, you know, listen to consumer re- requirements and, and their changing habits as well. You have to be reactionary in this game and, and listen and, and take heed that's yeah the biggest advice that's really good that's you know i think that's that is that's exactly it it's being informed um in a professional context what are the top three things that make you really good at what you do what are the top three things that are vital to um your uh your trade and the area the area in which you work i think ultimately it is having that in-depth knowledge and like I said at the beginning you know just being in industry and taking the opportunities to work in the industry I think it's it's kind of luring and it has a sexy appeal to work at brand level or at retail level but the opportunities of working in manufacturing in the industry is incredible you really do learn so I think for sure is having the in-depth knowledge of the whole supply chain and, and having understanding of, of manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. I think manufacturing often gets a raw deal with um, people's choices in terms of where they think their careers should be focused. Yes. Um, actually, it's the manufacturing side where you learn the most. You do. And I, I get it. You know, it used to be relatively a, man, a man's world. And, you know, yes, you get dirty, you know, but a lot of my time I have wore wellies, protective clothing, gloves and masks. And, and actually it's, I think anyway, it's the most exciting element of, of the job of fabric technology. Yeah, because it's the crafting of the actual fabric. So it is, it's, it's it is. the innovation, which is what makes it exciting. Definitely. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely agree. Um, totally. And, you, and I think second, development and, and re-engineering, you know, from yarn, yarn yeah. forward. Yeah. You know, you look at garments and you, you can see the styling and the, the cut and make and, you, you know, how it drapes and looks and feels. But before that garment is created and crafted, there is 60% of that garment constitutes fabric. And from yarn forward, if you think of 
creating the yarn it can mm. be and then taking that forward and knitting and weaving yeah a facet of fabric manufacturing and then dyeing and finishing again is is wonderful really in- incredible and and then thirdly I think it's just being an, an adaptive leader and getting to know your culture and that could be internal culture or external culture I mean you could be working with you know, local um, employees in a developing country on the ground in the mill, and you have to respect that culture and treat that culture different. You could be working on trials, and then, you know, a few days later, you could be presenting that proof of concept to a CEO or a CPO inside a, you know, a brand head office, and it's being adaptable. uh, Yeah, so you've got to be very adaptable in terms of, how you communicate yes yeah absolutely no it's really it's a really valid point and you've obviously managed teams in all sorts of different contexts what's your management style how do you like to manage I think for me it's leading by example and yeah. empowering people and yeah. imparting responsibility I think that's key think for sure allowing them to take the credit where it's due yes and you know and 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 proof is that my teams have have often followed me so I'm I think I'm doing something right definitely and I think you you hit the nail on the head there I think empowering people is exactly what it's all about it's so important that people have a voice yes absolutely and I'm, a, I'm an advocate of humility as well. Yeah, and me too. You have to be cognizant of that, you know, working in developing countries. Yeah. Be, just, just remain humble. And, you know, there's always things that, yes, you can impart on your people. But again, there's so much you can learn from your peers as well. Yes. It's, it's having that, you know, 360 relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely fully agree with that and it's something that I always try and encourage with everything all the different types of work and different brands that we've worked with over the years it's the one thing for me that's so important a a good culture makes all the difference positive leadership proactive leadership understanding how to lead through teams is so so key more so now than ever maybe absolutely yeah in these changing times um and how do you manage the expectations of those above you? Because that's often a real challenge at all levels, all experiences, people. What's your Absolutely. secret? <laughs> it draws it draws on a completely different skill set, actually. It does. And it does. Yes, I think it's equipping equipping them and giving them the tools to carry out their role effectively and efficiently. Just being there, you know, being a support for them. And I, I really believe in that, you know, and having yeah. in, in doing that will instill trust and reliability. And it's, it's a win-win. I think managing up is sometimes overlooked, but that's equally as crucial as managing a team. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. It really is. Um, especially for you to then be able to filter back down to that team, the expectations yes. and the goals it's, it's keeping everything in balance, really. It is about that overall balance and making sure that everything is aligned. Yes. From the yes. top down and from the bottom up. 
It is. It really is. Good communication yeah. channels. And sometimes it doesn't need to be every detail. You know, yeah. you have to kind of learn how to give that top line, that summary, give your viewpoint. Definitely. Absolutely. For sure. Because often people above us are very busy. They've got lots, lots going on themselves. They're juggling more than we ever know. So yes. just being able to cut to the chase and yes. um, lay it out in a very straightforward way makes all the difference definitely and um what would you say has been one of your best experiences in your career is there any one thing that jumps out for you I think it has to be working at Lululemon oh in uh, I, I yes it really does and um, what makes it what makes it special for you you know I think in my role within fabric technology it's they really respect that role and the amount of resources that they impart and the time and the respect and also budget. You know, I appreciate it's premium athleisure wear. Um, so the budget's there for you to have more freedom within the development process. But Lululemon undoubtedly really respect raw material development. And I think for that I loved and and the people, you know, the people there, they really practice what they preach. They really follow um, and foster a, a beautiful culture. Um, so, yeah, it has to be ultimately Lululemon. There's many, many wonderful experiences I've had over the 25 plus years. But I think for me, Lululemon tops. tops. And very relevant, actually, to kind of the moment in time in which we find ourselves where sustainability is under the spotlight and sustainability is such a broad word because it's about it's it's not just about environmental impact it's about the social impact of what you're doing it's about the um culture that you foster within the business it all needs to stack up for a brand to be fully sustainable it's got to work from the top down it's got to work sideways it's got to work externally as well as internally and it's got to it's got to have a great message to relate to the consumer and I think you're right that Lululemon definitely um is uh, a forerunner in how to do culture well and how to create the 360 of sustainability yes Um, yes and it's integral you know yes they are pioneers and it used to be for many brands and retailers, sustainability was something that was kind of the layer on the cake, and it shouldn't be, you know, no. it's part of the product, it is the product. Yeah, impact is so important, you know, we are moving into an era where the impact of any product is going to be very much under the spotlight, particularly in fashion, fashion is often a forerunner for change on a, on a bigger scale, and when I look at all the small brands that are up and coming and the people that have um, gone out there and from nothing created something, we are at a moment of true innovation and we're going to see more and more of that come to the fore. And I think the, uh, the advancement of online shopping and the way that that facilitates an opportunity for anyone and everyone to create something and bring it to market is such a game changer. But people want to bring the market with conscience and 
awareness that we all need to be thinking about impact so it's all of these things it's the performance aspects the culture of the company the impact of the product how recyclable is it all of these things are so key yes yes very interesting um who's been the most inspiring manager that you've worked for would you is there anyone that you can think of that you're like I've never forgotten that they said this or they did that yeah interesting question I've worked for some incredible managers so I've been very very blessed but there is one particular person who for me stands out and this is a lady back in Dewhurst oh yeah she was technical director at that time in a very well it was a man's world at that time and (laughs) manufacturing and development was being taken away from the UK at that time because of you know price pressure Mm. and she spearheaded that and she was going into countries at that time you know and making incredible changes you know bringing on teams and nurturing teams developing them yeah absolutely incredible and she went about it in such a with integrity you know and I think earlier we mentioned that whole importance of empowerment and and I still glean from those um, attributes today and how she went about her her job a wonderful wonderful uh, lady wow that's uh that's um inspiring she, she sounds like she was a bit of a a forerunner in um just being able to kind of break through that she really barriers. was. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't easy back then, was it? It, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. and we're talking, you know, over twenty years ago, and times have yeah. significantly changed. Thankfully, yes, yeah. and you know, there was no social media platforms back then, and everything was about pushing yourself, not, not only physically, but you know, just. <laughs> pushing yourself out there to really communicate and get yourself known and yeah you really have to rely on your interpersonal skills and networking yeah and that makes sense strike a great great balance and yeah wonderful wonderful lady fantastic who's your least inspiring boss can you think of one (laughs) um difficult I think you know yeah there's probably be one or two that has been less um just less visionary than myself and you know the industry brings with it so much excitement so much opportunity and you can really really go for it and have a wonderful life from pursuing this uh, career and I think for those bosses that haven't had that vision I, I think that's probably been disappointing because there's so much potential and yeah I think I think for me it's it's probably been you know the worst time has been working for those type of managers who who haven't had that excitement it holds everything back doesn't it I've had other people yeah. here that have said that and my my take on it is it just ends up, they end up doing a disjustice to both the company they're working for and the industry yes and the individuals yes. that work for them because they hold back 
it does it does the whole yeah. culture is fostered you know from top yeah. down yeah. and it just yeah. trickles down and just creates a really sterile environment yeah that's so, right and this is a creative yeah. industry at the end of the at the end of the day where it is yes. all about innovating so it's really important that everybody is on that page yes yeah that makes sense many industries are being affected obviously by coronavirus and uh the pandemic um in a perfect world how do you think the fashion landscape is going to look on the other side of all this it's it's going to change <clears throat> undoubtedly yeah. it's it post covid it, it's it's really going to change and you know it could be garments that show up to protect it could you know completely change the the styling of garments you know to have adaptability so maybe necklines will change to be able to pull up over the face and have inbuilt masks interesting it could be inherent textiles that have antiviral properties as well yeah is there some something that could be woven into the textiles at you know the very early stages where you've got some kind of antiviral um element to the yarn yes and things are being worked on now there's you know definite um attributes out there that are being talked about um interesting yeah at the moment is there is there a will and is the technology there to kind of start to evolve anything there's a definite need so in the medical textile industry there's been various technologies around for the last few years yes um but specific to for example you know um, human coronavirus i know for sure i'm talking with people now at polymer level things are being worked on it's very very exciting oh wow obviously comes with that a lot of testing and validation to make sure that's one the efficacy and two the the safety but I'm I'm pretty pretty confident so yes I think in answer to your question we we will see a dramatic change I think one of the days where water resistance or repellency or wicking quick dry anti-crease anti- sweatshirt anti-cling I think those will be a given and the consumer will they'll require you know more adaptability more protection and just instilling that reassurance from the garments that they're wearing the garments will become ever more responsive and they're basically yeah. going to sort of take care of you know everything we need from kind of sweat wicking to um just every kind of performance that you could think of that might be needed and I guess you'll have different grades of that depending on the end use of the garment yes and I think honestly I think we'll see more transitional wear so clothing that 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 can transition through a multitude of different end uses because there is a, a driving force for for less you know there's not that need to acquire more no so in those you know lesser items we'll need them to to do more for us multifunctional yes okay that makes perfect sense wow okay what's this exciting times absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely 
And we need that really because we we want to kind of move away from this disposable culture yes. to something where people are able to have a handful of um, investment pieces, hopefully that don't break the bank, that are affordable, uh, yeah. but then last and last so that, you know, where they get to a point where they feel like changing, they can, but they they still can keep what they bought and it will go on for years. I see it as honest clothing. Yeah, it's a good description. It does what it says, but also, you know, behind the messages, it's it's a a clean a clean story that we can really feel completely reassured that it's not harming the environment. There's so many wonderful things happening and it's just about, you know, putting it into textiles and garments and yeah just being very very comfortable and it and at ease with what we're wearing yeah it's exciting because it, it it then creates a future for the industry and maybe some of the maybe we lose parts of the industry that are, are serving us less but we yes. create newness through all these areas and opportunities for innovation uh, really fascinating and you can share one or two insights that are going to inspire others because lots of people at the moment are feeling quite lost in yes. terms of seeing their livelihoods vanish in front of them. What would you, what advice would you give to people right now? Hold in, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, you know, we will come through this. And for any newcomers in the industry, you know, I, I speak to students a lot and newcomers into the industry and I keep telling them, you know, you, you must please don't let this period dismay you. I still completely, you know, wholly recommend that you go for it. This industry is, is fascinating and I, like I said, feel blessed that I've been able to work in this industry. It is completely incredible and it's, it's only going to get more exciting, you know, like, from a technical and, and also from an aesthetic as well because it's yes sustainability is key technical functions key but people want beautiful comfortable clothing and textiles and I think that's key as well and I think it shouldn't one shouldn't have to forego the other you know there's, uh, there's lots of brands out there who profess to be the most sustainable clothing brand but uh you know some of the designs are pretty pretty bland and boring. Yes, you, know? you can't have functionality without without great design. Yes. That's the thing, yeah. you've got to marry the two together. Yes, let's strive and in mm. having that sensation on the body and to prevent restrictions. Yeah. As yeah. well, I think it's incredibly important, you know, not forgetting how it feels and looks. Yeah. And I think sometimes that is that is an oversight. But my advice is definitely hang in and, and go for it because I promise you it will bring some amazing opportunities all across the globe and you'll learn so, so much. Yeah, I think it's really good advice. And this is an industry that always innovates. And I find it fascinating the tie-up with um, – what's happening within medical within medical research and the need for greater protection um, against viruses and greater performance to enhance our lifestyles 
for all of that to be able to be combined within with our clothing will be quite something yes mm, yes fascinating mm-hmm. and who would be your dream brand to work for so obviously lululemon are amazing but <laughs> if you could choose any company in the world um is there anywhere that you would love to go where you would love to go in and just do something really incredible maybe it's a brand that is is not particularly well known or it could be your own thing or it could be just somebody that you see or we could take this brand as it is and we could do xyz with it and who would be in your dream team yes i think ultimately it would be stella mccartney okay. i do love you're the second person that said that yeah, yeah. yeah. why you? is stella mccartney your dream brand i i just love her the principles and what she works i love her ethics her brand messages you know, she, we mentioned earlier about integrity and she is one person yeah, who works yeah. through integrity. She does. And, and she's very humble as, as a person. I, yeah, I'd love to meet her. I'd love to be ultimately her right hand uh, person at some point. But, you know, maybe bringing on board some of the wonderful people that I've worked with in my past to make it more wearable for, for everybody and everyday wear because it's obviously still designer level at the moment but somehow you know orchestrating it that that we could all wear the beautiful yeah maybe there's a diffuse some sort of diffusion collection that's available for affordable prices absolutely who would be yeah have you got like three people that you'd it could be absolutely anybody it could be famous people they could be dead it could be anyone you like <laughs> I was I was very lucky to work with a, a wonderful um head of design at, at Lululemon Audrey O'Reilly wonderful lady and she she made it real yes she was a visionary a design visionary and with incredible ideas that she'd spark off you and want to bring them to light but but she was real and, and I really respected that you know, she didn't go off at a tangent she kept it real for, for women and men that's so important. Uh, it is it is and I, I think she could be the right kind of sweet spot for Stella yeah because um, she would bring she would bring the integrity yes so but also the design for the average you know average person. yeah she would she yes. keep it real she'd know what the what the feel what the feeling on the street is and what people are going to respond to yes and who else um, another lady you may you may know this lady jane wood so jane similar background to me we went off on on different paths she's now lecturing but jane was one of these people who was a a, a go-getter yeah and um she'd just make it happen whatever it was she was one of these people who was yeah, just an absolute um, wonderful person. To and nothing faced her. Yeah, dynamo. She could just get it done. <laughs> yeah, she was the mover and the shaker within oh, the business. Fantastic. I was lucky to. I've worked all over the world with Jane. We've worked together on projects in Malaysia and oh, Morocco. Wow. Wonderful lady, and I think ultimately I'd have to bring Jane because she took no messing. She just 
get the job done regardless. And I think you, you need someone like that in the team. You need someone like that in the team. What does she specialise in? Is she production? Um, clothing, technical clothing, uh, textiles. I think she's doing wearable technology now at university and bio-based and technology. There's so much on wearable tech at the moment. Yeah, that yeah, they they absolutely are, and yeah. um, I think she's studying for her PhD now. But I'd tell her to finish that and come and work with me and Stella and all three. <laughs> Fantastic! And who'd be your last person in your team? <laughs> so we'd need we'd need somebody at the the back end to yeah. make it all happen. And I worked with a, a wonderful guy um, back in the early early years in manufacturing a, a gentleman called Kenneth Williams and he there was nothing he didn't know about manufacturing and whatever we would take to him wouldn't you know face him it might be some gosh difficult bonding or two different substrates that we think that if he didn't come before, he'll be like we'll make that happen <laughs> <laughs> zodal modulus and um free cut you know just to add that into boot nothing would yeah. face him and he'd find a pathway to make it work in the factory okay. and he, you know how do you lay it up how do you cut it how do you make it how do you stitch it but he was a, a brilliant guy and I think I think you need someone at each stage of the uh, the pipeline so Audrey up front Jane in the middle and then it would be definitely Kenneth at the at the end to bring it all to life oh I love the vision it's fantastic thank you for sharing this with us today it's been really interesting so watch this space is the message because <laughs> the industry's going to bounce back <laughs> you know it will I'm so yeah. confident yeah me too thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to have you on here today and thanks for to, having me um to sort of you know have uh for someone to make us feel like um all is not lost and that you know there's excitement ahead of us i think that's really important so thank you thank Very you fantastic it has been inspiring talking with lisa today and hearing her positivity fueled by the innovation going on within the European textiles and apparel industry. We learned that fabrics will become ever more responsive, whilst garments evolve to become multifunctional, embodying performance and functionality as standard for a range of combined end uses, the impact of which will be a driving force in longevity and quality over disposable consumption. For anyone starting out in the industry or finding themselves on the hunt for a new role, Lisa says, hold tight, we will come through the COVID disruption. Don't let this period dismay you. It is only going to get more exciting. People want beautiful, comfortable clothing, and the industry is responding. Look and feel combined are critical. Staying at the forefront of what you do is super important, more so now than ever. Lisa encourages us to be reactionary and highlights the importance of brands listening to consumer requirements and their changing and evolving habits. She also explains how working in manufacturing has been pivotal in her career in gathering 360 experience. And as an advocate of humility, how empowering people, learning from your peers and leading by example is the way forward. Lisa's best experience has been at Lululemon, where they really respect her role and her 
fully resourced fabric and textile innovation with a budget that supports freedom for creativity that has helped to propel them to market-leading status in their pleasure. Not only do they practice what they preach, they foster a beautiful culture, something that all businesses should aspire to. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with brand consultant Russell Hammond about the evolution of contemporary and luxury fashion following the impact of the pandemic on distribution channels. If you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.